Welcome to Boundless Love Podcast. Here it's all about next level approach to love, relationships, and sex. I'm your host, Sofia Sundari. Welcome, beautiful listener. This is the episode 7 of the Boundless Love Podcast. And we are going to have a really juicy conversation about a question that I receive so frequently. It's about monogamy, polyamory, and all that jazz. So people ask me, what is better? To be monogamous, to be polyamorous? Is it natural to be monogamous? Is it natural to be polyamorous? And I do have a bunch of things to say to that. And I'm happy to finally have a chance to really offer you my full download on this subject. Although it has gone through different phases as I've been exploring, as I've been evolving. So this is current, up to date. So as always, the invitation is for you to be open as you receive my transmission and absorb what is really brings true for you and what doesn't resonate with you, what you have completely different perspective on, that's completely fine. Remember the capacity to be able to hold multitudes of opinions is something that expands our consciousness, that makes us mature as consciousness. So my story is that I have explored so many different types of relationships through my life because I've always been fascinated by relationships. When I was a child, I thought that by all means, what I needed to do was to avoid the kind of destiny that my parents' relationship had. And their relationship was very, very complicated, was very intense, was very unstable, And it had a lot of emotionality to it. And they divorced when I was 11. And perhaps even the divorce was a little bit overdue because they stayed mostly because of me for the last years of their marriage. Which I don't really think it's a good idea to only stay for children in relationships. But it's a subject of another conversation. And uh, so I had this really challenging example of what it means to relate. I didn't really have a healthy example in front of me. I knew that my parents were unfaithful to each other. I knew that they had a lot of disagreements and they couldn't really find a place of really opening to each other, of really meeting each other. I didn't even know it it can be that way. So just like many of us, I grew up witnessing a very unhealthy relationship without any conscious approach to that. And we cannot blame our parents for that because they just didn't have any information available that could teach them that it can be any different. So then as I was maturing, I wanted to avoid that and I wanted to just have one partner for the rest of my life. And that's why I really waited until I really opened to a man as a woman And my first relationship happened when I was 19. That's when I first opened sexually to a man. And that was not the man. And I knew it actually at the time that it was not going to be the man of my life. 
And uh, after that, there were other relationships that followed. Some were really short and really meaningless. Others were deep, especially my marriage was a deep relationship. Then we separated. Then I was exploring polyamory. I had uh, different relationships with multiple partners, uh, sometimes with a certain degree of commitment, other times completely without any commitment. I also had a relationship with a woman and various triangle types of situations. And in that phase, I mean, I was separated from my ex-husband and by the end of our relationship, I was feeling that I was being repressed. So I felt that I was repressing myself by being in the relationship, there was something else that was necessary for my evolution. And so, yeah, we separated. And then this phase of incredible exploration started for me. And at some point, I um, kept having this hope that I will find my partner who really is my perfect beloved, who really can accept me fully as I am and really welcome me fully and share life with me. And my life is so unusual. I'm not really a person who can really settle in a normal sense. I always need to have an adventure and a variety in my life. I'm moving. (laughs) I used to be a nomad, uh, so constantly changing my locations. So it it would require like a specific kind of partner who would be open for that kind of lifestyle. And at the time, I also felt that uh, perhaps polyamory was my way, like to have multiple partners. Maybe I thought I would have like a one deep relationship and then multiple lovers that are also around. Because I traveled so much, I just ended up developing romantic relationships everywhere I would go and then they would never be complete and uh, we would still stay in contact and uh, I would be in a completely different place and I would start a new romantic story and it seemed like there were all those open doors all over the planet pretty much and uh, I thought that maybe that was it, maybe that was my reality. And uh, then uh, a day came when I was in Sweden. I was facilitating at a festival there. And I had a conversation with my friend about this. I said, look, it's so beautiful that you are cultivating this deep relationship with one partner. And I really used to think that that was my way. But right now I look at my life and I see that it's just not what's happening for me. It's just, maybe it's not for me. Maybe I've tried that in my life. I've tried being in a committed relationship with one person and it was beautiful, but somehow it's just not really coming to me. And then she really questioned me and she really asked me some really deep questions so that I could look a little deeper than that. She said, I hear your words, but what is really the truth underneath those words? Is it really true that at the level of your heart, that's the kind of life you really want to have? 
not really having a partner that you really feel who is 100% with you, not really giving yourself totally to one person, kind of giving yourself a little bit there, a little bit there. And then, of course, not getting that same commitment and totality in return. Because if you don't give yourself totally, how can you expect that from a partner? It shook me, I have to say. It was uncomfortable because I was kind of going with the flow. I thought, okay, that's what where life takes me. Okay, so let's go. But then after this conversation, what I realized was that because I am the creator of my reality, the life that I have, it reflects who I am and what I believe in. It's not the reverse, you know, it's not that life happens this way, that's why I should just go with it. But actually something in me creates this life and I am in charge and I can decide whether I want this life or not. And I can reflect on my principles, on my true values and really take time to listen to my heart. That's something I did when I first changed my life and uh, the whole big transformational leap happened in my life, which I share about in the first episode of this podcast. And this was also a really pivotal point in my life because I really questioned that which has always meant so much to me and that I always, ever since I was a little child, I was yearning for a deep meeting with a person that I would just look into his eyes and feel that I am at home and that I am held and I am seen and I am completely loved by him. This kind of love, you know, once I really went very deep into my spiritual practice, I felt this kind of love, the deepest love I've ever experienced was the love of the divine. And I really felt that I am totally loved by God. And these are, of course, words that we hear a lot in um, on social media and kind of somewhat conscious communities, conscious circles. But the thing is that most people, they just, it sounds good, those words, they sound really good. But when you really experience that, when you really experience a divine love, something on a cellular level changes. And then you're not the same person ever again. And then what I see happen is that with my spiritual path, I went so deep into this path into my meeting with the divine. So I kind of could not really believe that I can experience anything really as meaningful with another person. So somewhere on a subconscious level, I gave up on relationships. I gave up on even the hope, the desire to have a truly fulfilling relationship. And so I, in fact, disconnected internally from that possibility. So that was a big uh, pivotal moment in my life as I shared. And uh, after that, I just realized that there was a part of me that, yes, I disconnected from it. And also it felt somewhat unworthy. It felt that I just have to accept what is given to me by life. And although there were such challenging situations, but I really 
created all those situations. The situation where I just got together with a new lover and we didn't really know where our connection was going. And then one day he tells me, look, I want to be transparent with you. There's another woman in my field. What do you want me to do? He asked me directly. He said, what would you like me to do? Would you like me to just postpone our connection with her? Because I know you are leaving after a time and then uh, I can just postpone this meeting with her and just fully, fully focus on you. And then we see what happens. Maybe when you leave, I will connect with you or maybe not. We'll see like how it goes. How do you want it? Or would you prefer me to like involve her now and like open to her and maybe you also be interested to meet her and to connect with her? And I said, oh, of course, of course, bring her in. Like, of course, you know, I'm not uh, here to create a long lasting relationship with you. I'm not here to claim you. Just, you know, let's totally open and allow love in all uh, forms. Let's just really welcome this woman. And, uh, well, I did, at that time I didn't know, <laughs> but uh, that was a form of self-punishment that I created for myself. And it sounds so kind of noble, you know, in, a, in especially if you are part of circles of people that are into transformation and really powerful personal development. It's, it's kind of like a fashion or something to push yourself beyond the edge. And at the time, I didn't even think so. But what I created was that, yes, we welcomed her in. And then there was a time we spent together. So it was um, like a threesome situation that we were together, sharing intimacy. And it's really unique and almost impossible to create a threesome kind of situation which doesn't hurt anybody. That's why it's a really, really um, dangerous zone. Actually, you need to be so prepared if you ever choose to go there. And even for me, you know, and it seemed like I was in a kind of easy position because it was just the beginning of our connection with him. I was not that attached to him. I was not really interested in a relationship with him. And still, that threesome hurt me so much. Because at some point, what happened is that they two completely zoomed onto each other. And it's like I felt I was invisible. So all my traumas from childhood where I felt not belonging or not seen got activated. And I just was so heartbroken. I left and I felt like they didn't even notice that I left the room. And I wanted to leave completely, but then I said, okay, hang on, I cannot leave. I need to tell them something. And then I came back to them and I said, hey guys, I am really, really triggered right now. And they stopped everything they were doing and they really focused on me, but that did not heal. We did not, we didn't have the skills to create a repair for that, for what really happened to me. But now looking back years down the road, I can say that that was... Yeah, my own choice to create this incredible pain for myself. Because on one visible level, I was just this woman fully immersed into a transformational field and just wanting to kind of burn and throw myself into the fire, which I certainly did. And on the other level, you know, I also can look at some 
wounded pattern over here. And the wound is that uh, wound of unworthiness, where actually on some level I did not really believe that I was worthy of a man who would... Even he told me that, but I could not accept it. He was really there, really willing to offer me complete presence from him. And yeah, there was this woman in his field, but so what? It doesn't mean that this needs to be acted on. It's totally natural to have attraction for people, but the choice what to do with it is a completely separate thing. But I, kind of guided by seemingly those noble reasons, and in the moment that's I totally believe that. But now looking back, I can say that I just did not believe that I could really have it. So let's look closer. Monogamy and polyamory. So monogamy implies that you are in a committed relationship with one person. So it's just you two, but then you can also define your boundaries within that. Like in a classical sense, monogamy means that you are totally together, that you don't create any romantic interactions with anybody else, that you don't flirt with others, that you don't have sensuality with other people, that you don't exchange massages with other people, that you really just have this one-on-one -on -one relationship and you don't allow others into that. So that's like a classical definition of that and that might be what most people really are used to and that's what they may really want deep down. But depending on what kind of society you are surrounded by, that might be even shame. Because when I was living in a community where people were practicing conscious sexuality, um, spiritual path of Tantra, I actually felt shamed for my choice to get married while living in that community. And people were asking me, like, what are you doing? Like, everybody is exploring and finding their edge through open relationships and you are getting married. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you so scared of? Why are you just, wh why don't you just let your husband be enjoyed by other women? Don't you want to enjoy other men? What is this? And that's a valid question. Yeah, and for us back then, there was definitely a level of fear but let me come back to that a little bit later. So that's one like standard. Then there can be something that sometimes is referred to as monogamy plus. Yeah, so people can say we only have sexual interaction with each other, but we are open for sensuality with other people, for example. Yeah, or we are open to invite a third person into our relationship and have a sensual date together or maybe even have sexuality together with this other person, or maybe with another couple. Yeah, so sometimes we are open for those adventures. This is what some couples would do. So it's already like opening kind of, so it's monogamy plus. Then on the other side of that is polyamory, and polyamory also can look completely different for different people. The extreme polyamory, it's a polyamory which where basically you don't want to commit to anybody, you want to be totally independent, you don't want to make any promises to anybody, you don't want to be held accountable by anybody, and you just want to be completely 
spontaneous in what you do and who you interact with and to what degree of sensuality or sexuality you want to meet them. So that's kind of one extreme there. And then there can come in different agreements. Then yeah, maybe then you meet one person and then there may be certain commitments that you enter in with them. So what can happen is that you say, okay, like if I start a new connection with somebody else, I will let you know. Yeah, for example, that could be like an open way of doing it. It's like, okay, we are just meeting for sexuality. We don't engage into deep relationship. But still, if I have new lovers, I will let you know. And you also let me know. Yeah, so that could be a type of like polyamory. And it's really tricky here, yeah, because uh, for many people, they will expect certain things, but their partner may be not wanting to submit to those things. It might feel like restriction to them. And that's why it's really, really important to be super clear. Like if communication is important in all types of relationships, in polyamory, it's like you need to be so, so, so clear because if not, you will be hurt all the time. So that's why for many people who are practicing polyamory, they say that that's a really full-on spiritual path for them because they constantly need to deal with their own triggers when their partners seeing somebody else and they need to deal with their partner's triggers when they are seeing somebody else. So it's a constant, constant work. I have a friend who had a polyamorous marriage back in the 80s in the States, and he um, had a wife, long-term relationship wife, and then on the side he had another long-term relationship of like seven years or something like this, and some other also relationships during different phases of his life. And he said that if you want to really practice polyamory, you shouldn't have a full-time job or kids. Like, it's just not possible because it takes all your time. It's like a full-time job. I digressed a little bit. So then there are other forms of polyamory. Yeah, like what this man was practicing is that like there is like one primary partner, maybe a spouse or just a a committed partner. And then there are other relationships that are created also additionally to that. And that may be one additional relationship or it may be another, maybe several additional relationships. But what makes it conscious, polyamory, is when this is all done in the open. So all of that is communicated. There are some really odd cases sometimes, because you also you imagine that it will be both people enter into relationship because they're both polyamorous and they want to have this kind of openness and they accept it in their partner and they also have a permission to see who they want within the boundaries of their relationship. But in some odd cases, only one partner in the couple is polyamorous and the other one is monogamous. So (laughs) it may sound completely crazy for some people, but that's totally possible because it may be that one person just doesn't want to share their energy with anybody else but their partner and uh, the other partner in the couple just really needs that. Um, So anything is possible. Of course, uh, it may seem unfair, kind of not balanced, that, you know, one partner will constantly have to have deal with their jealousy issues and the other one is kind of having it the easy way. 
but um, I know couples who are doing this and uh, they that's their choice. So you see, there is such a wide range of possibilities and really what works is what works for you. What I need to address directly is that you need to be in integrity. Whatever you choose, be in integrity. This integrity is not only about respecting other people and being kind to others, but integrity is your relationship with truth. So some people will say, oh, but yes, I am moving from my own truth. And for my own truth, it means that I need to be polyamorous, but my partner does not allow me to be polyamorous because they don't want it. Well, if they don't want it, it means that this may be the end of your relationship. And you have to carry the weight of what that means. Because if this is your truth, you have to live your truth. And that truth might be incredibly uncomfortable for parts of you that want to be comfortable. But if that's your truth and you don't want to compromise it, you cannot lie. You cannot lie to yourself and you should not lie to others either. And, you know, this is not a moral <laughs> preachery here. You know, I don't have a judgment around this. And I am also here to remind you of who you are. I am here to remind you of your true nature. And your true nature is pure. Your true nature is goodness. Your true nature is love. So I'm here to remind you to live in alignment with that because this is how you truly serve love within yourself and on this planet. And that's how we support the evolution of humankind. And my whole work is about this. So if you're drawn to my work, it means that you also have at least this value within you. You want us to become better together. And we have to hold ourselves accountable for that. And look at our lives and check whether our lives are really in integrity with what we truly, truly, deeply believe and really yearn to see in this world. Also, some things that we need to speak about is like benefits of this kind of relationship and that kind of relationship. So, of course, polyamorous relationship is something that gives you incredible amount of freedom of exploration and also that just it just really takes you to your edges and it will be constantly a lot of intensity and something that will give you great joy of course because you have this like unlimited capacity to just let your energy move and uh, but then still you need to work through boundaries and really learn powerful communication skills and really keep like checking with yourself where is your honesty, where is your truth, where is your boundary, where is your need, and communicate. So it's a big school of maturing, for sure, and also just that uh, sexual exploration that can take place, because obviously if you have different partners, you will be supported with having different opportunities to explore your sexuality, to understand your sexuality. So I don't regret that I've had this phase of my life when I really explored sexuality 
especially in a conscious way, going into sexual practices in a conscious way. I feel that phase, yeah, taught me a lot. Uh, but then on the downside, what can happen is that there is this uh, fear of commitment and there is this also being stuck in a sense of a search because some people will say, well, I'm polyamorous, but in fact, they are constantly searching for someone. Even if they have a partner, they're always on the lookout for another exciting partner and another exciting partner and it will never end. And this is just a route to sheer unhappiness because if you're constantly in search, you are not present. The state of search is not a healthy state. It's not a harmonious state. So sometimes, of course, you will have moments when you need to change something and then you will look for it. But it, this is what it should be. It should be just moments, just those times of like asking questions, exploring, looking inside. But then... Ultimately, I believe that we really need to come to a place where we are settled in our dharma. And this topic will require many, many more episodes to really explore. But in short, dharma is the reason of the incarnation of your soul. It's the path of your supreme destiny. And when you are stepping on this path and you like with both feet you're like on this path then your whole life has to align with that path and then you have to see if there is space for constant emotional processing constant working through triggers that come up or if this path from you requires more of a grounded, calm presence. So if that's the latter, then most likely polyamorous relationship won't be the best option, especially long term. But if it's the first, if you are really in that phase, or oh, maybe your dharma somehow requires this constant movement, constant change, constant uh, exploration, yeah, if that's your case, then it may be that that's your way. I haven't met many people who are really wired, fully wired for polyamory and for whom it is really the best choice long term. I have to share that like the couples that I see who are really doing polyamory for a really long time and they are really like dedicated to this or some people who are like they were in a relationship now then they have some phases when they're single and then again they go into polyamorous relationships. Well, I have to say that I don't observe like energetic and spiritual deepening in um, most of those people that I see. It's only my experience, but that's my observation that a maturity is not happening in this harmonious integrated way. There feels like there's a constant pulling into different directions energetically. So there is constant burning, constant fire burning, constant agitation in the system. Now, with also advanced practices of polarity in a relationship, they, you cannot practice them with uh, multiple people. On some level, yes, 
yeah, what uh, David Ada would call second stage relationship, where you really are working on having this healthy relationship of constantly like interacting and negotiating what are your needs, what are the needs of your partner, where do you meet in those needs. So this uh, kind of relationship where there's consciousness, where there's presence, where there is like empowerment, uh, in this place, that's where the polyamory would come in, especially conscious polyamory specifically. But then when we move into the third stage, which is beyond contracts and negotiations, which is just about this surrender to love and letting love move you, actually this is only possible in a conscious monogamous relationship where two people commit to go to such depth together that they cannot allow any distractions. Not only mental distractions and this emotional processing kind of distractions, but also energetic distractions. Because when you have multiple partners they don't just disappear as, as soon as you separate from them. They don't just disappear from your energy field. They stay. When we open to other people energetically and especially sexually, we receive imprint of their energy into our field. For women, even more so, because our yonis are so receptive. So when the penetration happens, it's not possible not to get really imprint of your partner in your sacred space. And uh, sometimes people ask, uh, is it different with a condom? It is slightly different, but not that much. Because still there is a penetration and sexual action that happens in a woman's body. Of course, this is impacting her. Men also get impacted, also energetically, and uh, you can feel, like for people who can see energy, we can see that there is, it's not only this person's energy that they carry, there is energy of other people that is in the field. So if you want to practice this really high level of meeting where it's not just about like what are your desires, what is your impulse, what is your pool, what is, how do you want to be and kind of negotiating um, yeah, what is best for your personal development at this stage. Yeah, where sometimes, you know, it can be a polyamorous meeting. But if you really want to go to that high, high, high level meeting, then you need to commit to one person. And to go really deep together and just don't allow distractions and stay two feet in with your dharma and just keep moving with God, into God together. That's what the sacred union is about. And you see that real freedom is not determined by the amount of partners you may have or how uh, free you are to flirt and be sensual with whoever you want. Real freedom is within. Real freedom is to not be in constant stimulation and change to be entertained. Real freedom is in being yourself, no matter what the external conditions are. Real freedom is in capacity to stay in integrity, to be a good human being. To not be scared to be scared and walk your path with dignity. 
So whenever discomfort arises in relationships, sometimes people want to quit or they want to say, oh, it's too much. I want to, you know, open up to other people. Oh, and then you enter in a connection with someone else and then you're like, wow, but it's so much lighter. Why was I involved in this heavy story with my long-term partner oh my god i wish i could feel so light like why did i waste my my time on that and the thing is that this discomfort that may come with depth there will always be a discomfort sometimes when you are cultivating a sacred union because this sacred union is here to show you where you can step even fuller into your dharma, into the true path of your soul. So we need to allow ourselves to feel uncomfortable. And when immature parts of us are coming to light, we need to be willing to sit with those wounded little children and not rush into the next thing and and hurt everybody around. So look at where you may be sabotaging your own true freedom. Look at where you are maybe not in integrity with the truth of your soul, with your choices right now. And it may be that you are trying to create the sacred union, but maybe it's also just an idea. Because there are certain prerequisites that have to be in place between both partners, a a real clear understanding of what it entails, where you're going together. That's when it's possible. But it may be that it's just an idea and it's not where you're at right now. And then exploring with different partners or just going into prolonged celibacy phase, all those options are there. Again, there is no right or wrong and uh, some people feel like they are practicing polyamory and they are also going deep into their union. Yeah, that may be the case. I haven't personally met real cases like that that I can really say with certainty that, wow, they are polyamorous and I really feel the essence of sacred union shining through them. I haven't met people like this and I've met many, many people in the conscious sexuality field and I haven't been touched by that. I I wish I could be. (laughs) I wish to see exceptions of the rules, but I haven't yet. And maybe I will and then I would certainly love to, to speak to those people and see what is it exactly they're holding. But I'm looking at something that is perhaps subtle for most people. But for me, there's just no way without it. I'm looking at this way of how our lives really serve the path that our souls came here to take. And that is a path of the divine. And when I see people becoming very, very deeply concerned with all the personal stories and all the personal wounds and triggers and all the things that keep coming up, there is space for that. I mean, so much of my work is about this because we have to be honest and clear about all the wounds of our past, all the patterns we enter into, all the self-sabotage. 
this is so important and I'm so glad that I'm continuously working on that and I'm continuously becoming freer and freer. But still, at some point, we need to choose because we will never heal all our wounds. It's not possible to be free from all our wounds. That's not why we came here. We will be always a work in progress, but also we are a work of art at the same time. And to complete this, I want to say that love is such a great power. Love is so much greater than our romantic dreams and fairy tale aspirations. Love is what holds it all together, all the atoms together, that it is the glue that supports the entire manifestation. So willing to dissolve into that love, it's such a beautiful path. It means offering yourself in totality and uh, also being met in that place of your totality where you feel that you are fully accepted with all your ways and all the ways that you are. This is such a beautiful space to dissolve into that love because our personal hearts, they need to be held. They deserve to be held and cherished. And when you give yourself totally, you will also receive totality from the other and from the world. And we need to do this healing work to come back to the place of knowing that we are worthy, that we deserve, that anything you ever wanted, you can have. So take some time to feel into that, to think about that. What does your ideal life look like? And just trust. Trust that you are worthy and don't compromise. I see so much of this compromise right now. We receive breadcrumbs when the whole universe is available for us. And it's all up to us. We are the creators of our reality. We came here for big things. So... Let your life be a masterpiece and know that you are the one in charge of creating it. So here we are in the end of this episode. I hope you loved it. If you did, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to catch hold of the show notes and the timestamps of this podcast so that you can always come back to it and listen again hop to my website sofiasundari.com slash podcast and you have all the information there in the podcast blog 